Wisconsin's Afternoon News is on the air. Broadcasting live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue in beautiful downtown Milwaukee. Here's John McCure. All right, happy Monday. Hope you had a fantastic weekend. The gang is here. Sandy Max is here. So is Greg Matzik. Debbie Lazic is on your roads. Adam Roberts producing the show this afternoon. All right, let's get to it. This is the three. At three on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. All right, Sandy, happy Monday. Where should we start? going to start with, hopefully, a peaceful week. This is a week aimed at promoting peace and unity throughout the entire city of Milwaukee, officially kicking off today. God willing, it'll be a peaceful week. Not likely, but maybe. Cavalier Johnson, in collaboration with the City of Milwaukee Office of Violence Prevention and various different community partners, has launched MKE Peace Week. He says it's a dedicated initiative aimed at promoting peace and unity throughout the city. A series of community events is going to be taking place all week long. I think there's a, a walk happening mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. There's speakers and programs and all sorts of things as we head through the week. All right, let's go. I mean, we're headed into summer. It's going to wrap up the week with a series of church visits, emphasizing the significance of faith communities and fostering peace and unity. Can we please have a quiet summer? And it starts with conversations now, hopefully. Hopefully. All right, what's next? What's the second thing we're talking about? A well-known East Side concert venue moving its operations to a new location in the same part of Milwaukee. This is interesting. So the back room at Colectivo is a 300-person capacity club, Mm -hmm. and they're going to basically shut that down. It's been open since 2015, and they're going to move into a commercial building on Farwell instead. It's going to be a little bit bigger. This is what's interesting. The building they're moving into on Farwell already has a Domino's, an Ethiopian restaurant, a Chinese restaurant. They're going to remain, and showgoers will be able to order food from there and have it delivered into this new version of the back room. And the back room, the new location, will have an alley, a load-in area, so they think the entertainment will be even better there. And it's going to be all ages, which is good for the entire community, because think about how much you loved music when you were a teenager and a kid. Yeah, so this is something cool. So sad that the back room at Collective is going away, but it's really just kind of moving to a new location. What is the third thing? After more than 4,000 name ideas were submitted, the currently named Milwaukee Pro Soccer began their naming contest this morning online. I got to tell you, the, the, the part that makes me smile about this is the headlines and everything says that folks in Milwaukee are going to be able to name the soccer team. Well, really, we're going to be able to narrow it down to the top 10, and then the owners are going to choose the name. So the narrowing down does begin today. You can go to MilwaukeeProSoccer.com. All those entries, thousands and thousands of them, were narrowed down to 64, 64, and two will be released each day throughout the spring and summer here. Then when it's down to about 10, the ownership group will decide on branding and actual name and that sort of thing. MilwaukeeProSoccer.com. It's is got a bit of brackets. I did vote today. Round one, day one, your choices what are choices? Yeah. Milwaukee Tall Boys or Milwaukee Confluence. Those are both learned. <laughs> I, I voted Tall Boys. I was entertained. Yeah, I, oh, I the two. In, I like Tall Boys. I tall boys. And in match two, Milwaukee Barons or Milwaukee Cheese. Oh, that's <laughs> way terrible. Oh, God. I'm going with Barons on that one. Let's hope the choices get better. <laughs> It is 314 at WTMJ. You've probably seen the headline or heard about the news story. The NAACP issuing a travel advisory against folks going to Florida. Dr. Ken Harris, 1017 The Truth, joins us for that conversation. Up next, right here. Happy birthday to you, and I hope you have many more. <laughs> He's fired. Hey, 
He's done. He's fired. Get out of here. Dr. Dr. Ken Harris, the birthday boy, has spent a part of his special day with us. Happy birthday, my friend. Thank you, thank you. What is it, 55? Wow, I appreciate that, but I'm not telling. Happy birthday. It's over 60. That that genuinely surprises me. And I still look at... Weren't you just saying how you say certain things and people say, well, you know, you you, you okay? I mean, you don't look at look how good. you look. He doesn't look over 60. <laughs> I don't look over 50. Come on. Yeah, you are looking good. You've been living a good life. Yes, I have. And chasing kids and, around. Oh, That'll do it, That'll right? keep you Parent young, yeah. tuition. Yeah. Do it. Yep. Going on. <laughs> hey, we got another trip over here in sports. I hear that. But yeah. this is yep. one of those, I was on LinkedIn earlier, it was like, age is just a number. It's like, you are unstoppable. You are a teacher. You're on the radio. You were just talking about community events that you want to do and fundraisers. So I, I don't think of you with an age. Like even if you told me you were 95, I'd be like, rock on. Do you, you just sleep? keep going? Yes. How many hours? <laughs> seriously, I always ask this of high achieving people. How many hours of sleep do you get a night? Seven. Okay. Ooh. So seven is your. Yes. That's the zone. Yes. Seven. Yes. Are you Usually, pre- I'll get away with five, five and a half. Now, see, that's different. Five is not much. Right. So you're a happy man if it's seven. I wake up really crotchety and grumpy. <laughs> Why? Why? No, you don't. I go to bed at midnight. I'm up at 445 every day. You just told me seven hours. My math ain't well, great, listen, but that ain't listen, seven listen, hours. Listen, right? So when I feel like it, I usually go early. Okay. But I lay there, toss and turn. So I, I try to go to bed around 1030, but it's usually around midnight. Depends. Yeah. Weekends, I sleep like 12 hours. I sleep a lot on the weekend, too. I seriously do. <laughs> I sleep yep. 12 hours. I slept 12 hours going into Sunday morning. As long as my Fitbit, my, my Apple Watch tells me my average is seven, seven and a half, yep. I'm good. Yep. I'm doing it on a week thing. I don't, I don't want a crotchety <laughs> Dr. Harris. No, nobody wants that. <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask you, uh, Dr. Ken, yep. this, this story in Florida. And oh, okay. NAACP now comes out and has issued a travel advisory. They say in direct response to Governor DeSantis's aggressive attempts to erase black history, restrict diversity and equity in Florida schools. And so they're telling people, uh, beware, your life is not valued. What's your reaction to, to what's happening there? I think it's a little bit of a leap to say my life isn't valued if I don't want to have a program in schools. I also think it's ridiculous that you're not teaching black history in a state that has a significant minority population in Hispanics. Um, but then what he what he did is he cut that out, too. Yep. Right. Rumor has it, because I know a lot of people in Florida, is he's trying to, as a conservative, remove some of the LGBTQ um, principles that they were trying to push in the schools by simply getting rid of everything. But I think what he what he did is he upset a significant number of people in, in the state of Florida. I don't think not going to Florida is going to help anything because you have black people who work there in those hospitality industries. That's the largest industry we work in in America. And now you're going to say they should make money or make anything because... We're going to not go there. But but it's the same thing with Texas. They did the same thing in Georgia. Arizona, it, there it, was an issue that was similar. It, it makes no sense because the voting thing they were talking about, the state they went to, Colorado, has more restrictions on voting than <laughs> Georgia did, that they didn't understand what Georgia was saying. You know, So until we get away from the partisan politics... None of this is going to make sense. Because that's what this is, right? I mean, Ron DeSantis is is racing to the right as he tries to run for president. It's very partisan. It's very political. 
Uh, and to your point that you made earlier, uh, LULAC, the League of United Latin American Citizens, mm-hmm. has issued the same sort of advisory right. for Florida. Well, if you raised your child right, why are you afraid what someone teaches them? It's like Christianity, right? Yeah, I'm going to go there. If you trained up your child in the way that they should go, if someone else talks about a different religion, why would you be upset if you've trained them well, if you've given them the education they need in Florida? Does it matter if they hear about Gaelic history? Like, it, it shouldn't matter. You it should be secure in how you, you raised your child. You should be secure child. in how you raised your child. Evidently, they're not. The NAACP also decrying Florida's new concealed carry weapon law, which basically says... In Florida, you can now carry a weapon effective July 1st with no sort of training at all outside of your home. What's your take on the NAACP or other organizations weighing in on specific pieces of legislation and tying that to, and you shouldn't go to this state because they have this law. You shouldn't go to that state because they have this law. You should avoid this place because they have this law. I think it's ridiculous, and eventually we're going to be able to go to Mexico and Canada, two places we don't want to go anyway. Like, we're, we're, we're cutting it down, and now you're restricting you're, you're asking people to restrict how they travel, where they go, and what they do based on an issue you have that you say is affecting all of black America, when in fact it's not. And so at, at some point, that's going to come to a head because like with all things, um, when the election is over, we can't find these people. They only come around when there's an election. And then when the election is over, like all the parties and all the organizations, they leave. And so I think it'll be a big nothing. Does something need to be done? Yes. DeSantis is on a tear where now you're banning books. Now, yep. now, now you're literally becoming anti-American. The fact that you don't trust people to read something and be able to decipher what's good and what's not. That's not your job as a politician to do that. It's the parent's job. I would say the NAACP is not calling for a boycott. This really is an advisory. And in their official press release, it really is. If you decide to travel to Florida, please be advised that this is what Florida schools are teaching. Please be advised. And then it even says, if you decide to go, would you please advocate for some more sensible type things? And if you are a resident, join us in our advocacy. It it sounds like it is an approach there where they really are trying to be thought provoking. Like, hey, maybe you don't realize that mm-hmm. by taking your family to Disney World or Destin Beach, that you're continuing to support a governor and a culture that isn't supporting you back as either a gay person or a Latino or a black person. And so I should discount all the people working in that industry. They should eventually lose their jobs because of tourism. So an organization can feel good. I support the organization. I'm a member. But that's 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 a bridge too far. I think. Using the word advisory is hiding behind what you really mean. And if you're going to be disingenuous about it, you know, it kind of takes away the power. In the end, it's the difference between uh, manslaughter and intentional homicide, right? Dead is dead. So whether or not you're asking us to be advised before we go or don't come, it's the same thing. You're asking us to bypass Florida. And all those people that are working in the hospitality industry just like they did in Atlanta, will lose their jobs. And then what? You're not going to come help them. You're you're not going to come give them a job. And the same NAACP will then turn and start arguing that why don't these people have jobs? It's, It's a no ending, and somebody needs to sit down at the table and actually have a conversation.
and not making it so politically partisan. But until, I guess, 2024 is over, this is what we have. Yep. Dr. Ken Harris, 1017 The Truth. Truth in the Afternoon is on from 4 to 6 every day, Monday through Friday. He also does a thing on WTMJ on uh, Sunday evenings. Sunday night. I heard a couple of weeks ago, you're talking about the Grafton situation. It's always fascinating conversation on Sunday evenings. Dr. Ken, happy birthday. Thank you. Thanks for spending part of it with us. All right. The world can be a messy place. Yep. And we at Wisconsin's Afternoon News think it could do with a little more... Nice. 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 Oh, that's nice. Say something nice to me. This is Something Nice on Wisconsin's Afternoon News. Not just graduates were walking across the stage this weekend. It was the Whammy Awards last night at Turner Hall. Whammy standing for Wisconsin Area music industry. There's over 50 categories of awards that were wow. given away. It was quite an evening. Uh, but four artists inducted into the Whammy Hall of Fame. You're hearing singer-songwriter Willie Porter oh, here. Willie. Yes, and he was a guest in the studio with us last week. You can catch up on the podcast at WTMJ.com if uh, you didn't uh, hear that interview. So and he was in fine spirits and he had a, a fun weekend and also inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Listen to me. Also <laughs> inducted into the Whammy Hall of Fame. A guitar great from Wauwatosa. His name is Greg Koch. Oh, Willie was talking about him. Yes, they are good buddies. And uh, here's how great Greg Koch is. Uh, Rick Nielsen is going to be on tour and can't perform with his band. So they're asking Greg Koch to fill in. That's pretty That's good pretty guitar cool. work. Hired gun. Love yeah, it. That's yeah. Cool. So uh, the two of them, and they were also MCs, and they were a lot of fun. Uh, but also inducted, you know... The famous, famous song from, oh, I don't know, Top Gun. The Righteous Brothers. Bobby Hatfield of the Righteous Brothers, the duo, was born in Beaver Dam. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and his children, his daughter and one of his sons were here. Valen, the daughter, and Dustin, the son. And they were just delightful. And they talked about how fond their memories were uh, that his dad had of growing up here. And they moved to California and uh, I asked him, like, so when you grow up with a righteous brother, it, does that mean, like, there's music in the house all the time? So now, being the children of a righteous brother, I have to assume you heard righteous brother's music in the household. <laughs> yes. He would actually play his music all the time, yeah. singing around the house. He'd have his little bandana on and walk around in his, his underwear. Practice. Yeah, he really did. He'd, he'd practice. Um, Dream On was the song you sing a lot to me because I was a little girl and the song's about a baby girl. Um, he'd sing that one quite a bit or we'd hear him doing his vocal exercises. But um, yeah, yeah, he was, he was, he, when he was home, he was all about family though. Like he kind of just put the work aside and respond to fan mail and a lot of that type of stuff. But um, yeah, he was a good family man. Our older two brothers, which they could be here as well. Yes. Bobby Jr. and Kalen, and they couldn't make it. And they were just completely touched. It's been 20 years since their father passed away. Wow. And Valen and Dustin, just real sweethearts. And That's they are cool. hanging out, driving around Wisconsin, enjoying yeah. their dad's state today. How and special. I also found out that uh, Bobby Hatfield also played baseball. And uh, he had to decide whether he wanted to get into the L.A. Dodgers farm team no or get kidding. into music. Yeah, wow. yeah. So there was sports involved there. And then the fourth inductee into the Whammy Hall of Fame 
is a woman who's known as the incomparable Hildegard. And it was very cool. I met Andy Jekylls. So Hildegard was his grandmother's first cousin. Does that make sense? So he was there to accept really nice guy. He's buddies with Willie Porter and Greg Cog. But I said, how would you describe the incomparable Hildegard to those of us who maybe aren't familiar? I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt called her the uh, Queen of the Supper Clubs. Uh, my my experience with seeing her perform was when she was inducted in the Wisconsin Performing Arts Hall of Fame in like 1991-ish, and it was she was doing a tour called her Alive at 85. She was 85 years old, and I was I was kind of her driver for the weekend. Um, but the show was really quite amazing. She was such an entertainer. And that was another thing that was really, really cool, is she could have been a stand-up comedian. She was telling stories about Liberace. She was cracking up the whole audience. She studied music at Marquette and became internationally known. She uh, even had branding. She was getting endorsements and had lipsticks named after her, the Hildegard. So, you know, (laughs) she had one name, like Cher, (laughs) like Madonna, Madonna. like Beyonce. So, Pride of Wisconsin, I want to know more about this character, the incomparable Hildegard. And while we're talking about cool women, there were over 50 categories of awards last night, and the most winningest bands won three this trio of the Whiskey Bells. So, congratulations. Shout out to Chrissy, Kimmy, and Sarah. Support your local musicians. Take your woman in a barroom bra. Drink the bottom out of this whole world. I used to be. Big meeting coming up here in just a couple of hours with President Joe Biden and Speaker of the House Kevin McCarthy as they continue to negotiate the debt ceiling and what's going to happen with that whole thing and what it means moving forward. ABC's Justin Finch is with us from Washington this afternoon. Uh, what do we expect is going to happen at the meeting, Justin? Uh, hi there. We don't really know, uh, to put it plainly here. Uh, but we do know that both sides have been very consistent in saying that they want to go into this meeting, have tough conversations, and hopefully walk out with a deal. And what makes this meeting a bit more interesting is that it's going to be one-on-one, the House Speaker and the President, uh, no other House incident leaders like we saw before, just the two of them. This could also perhaps be a signal that they are closer to some kind of consensus. We know they both spoke yesterday, the Speaker calling that phone call uh, productive and positive. And uh, this is coming as the Treasury Secretary just sent another letter to Congress And the House Speaker saying that June 1st is truly going to be the date uh, by which the U.S. could enter default if nothing is done to suspend or raise the debt limit. This, of course, could uh, leave those who rely on Social Security not getting their checks, uh, troops going unpaid, and further, truly uh, economic uh, dismay to come if this deal is not reached soon. Uh, We have heard over the past few days Uh, The president called the House Speaker and his party extremists and MAGA Republicans. Uh, The Speaker accusing the president of retreading on their agreements. So today we could really see this pick up because the attention is falling now more so than ever on the calendar. Ten days till June 1st, shrinking the window by which they could get this deal done, written up, agreed upon, voted on, moved to the Senate and to the president's desk. This is such a game of chicken. It seems like, Justin, in a nutshell, can you tell us the one or two things that Joe Biden doesn't want to give up and the one or two things that the speaker says I can't budge on? Well, we know the speaker 
he wants spending cuts. He wants preferably to revert the spending back to fiscal year 2022. Uh, we know that he is not going to allow for a clean debt ceiling um, uh, increase with all of the president's demands met. The president is saying that um, uh, key cuts to federal spending programs are going to be a no-go for him. These are programs that support things like SNAP benefits, you know, the president, too, is also very, very insistent that nothing is done to um, take away benefits that people already enjoy. However, he has kind of shown perhaps that he could bend on the work requirements, uh, increasing um, the work requirements for uh, federal assistance programs. That is something that uh, the more progressive wing of his party has pushed back against. However, it does show that the president is potentially very willing here to cut a deal, even though it could be to the detriment of some members of his party. You know, what gets so complicated here, Justin, you know better than the rest of us, is that Kevin McCarthy, as you pointed out, is negotiating with the president one-on-one or at least holding conversations. Staff members will do a lot of the, the minutia negotiation. But then Kevin McCarthy has to go back to a split caucus in his own ranks and try to make sure he holds together what's a very slim majority. I mean, the Freedom Caucus wants different things that maybe McCarthy would be willing to budge on. It's not easy. That's right. And, you know, the the first big hurdle he had was to shepherd through that that House debt ceiling bill they passed back in April. This one is going to be perhaps that by at least times five to ten. Uh, because he's walking into the House, into that chamber, into that caucus with a deal that he has agreed upon with the president, one that he just said maybe an hour or so ago that based on where they are going now in terms of talks is something he believes that House Republicans can get behind and support. You can only imagine what happens to his credibility if a deal is reached and he brings it to the House Republicans and they say that's not enough. (laughs) <laughs> given right. the, the restraints we're under right now in terms of time. Um, we will see if that happens and if he really does have uh, perhaps uh, enough of a sway over his party over the next few hours to days. But it's going to be very, very important, as you mentioned, that he has everyone in a line or the as many as possible to get this through before that June 1st threshold. And Justin, we know the president changed his travel plans to try and negotiate and keep these conversations going. I mean, do we see people, are they going to be up all night if it gets to that close to June 1st and working over Memorial Day weekend? I think it's very possible. It was a long weekend for a lot of us here in Washington and Capitol Hill. Lots of updates, lots of chasing negotiators up and down uh, Capitol Hill. So I think for the most part, everyone has to be kind of hunkered in with the hope that this is done sooner than later. But, of course, be prepared to wait uh, through the weekend. You know, the Senate, they were dismissed for the Memorial Day um, um, weekend. Uh, However, they likely have to have their bat phones ready just in case the call comes to come back to Washington. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine? Are they going to bring those guys back? Are they going to get them to come back? They have to vote, so they have to come back. Um, I want to ask about one final thing. We only have about a minute left, but everybody's looking for options to get this done if the two parties can't come together. In Congress, they're talking about discharging the issue to the House floor, forcing a vote on raising the debt limit. But this, once again, gets to the issue of the majorities 
are so slim in both houses that any of these other options are almost impossible to make work. That's right. You know, one of those options, too, invoking the 14th Amendment, which the president said he has considered. But in the reality of all this is the the X factor of the time to pull all these various levers, to get something done, to be a lily pad to a linchpin. All of this stuff is so much work when at the core, the country could still default if there's no measure in place to keep the spending uh, able for the Treasury to continue their obligations. So it would be great to have a plan BCD, but the issue is, Will the government have the funding to continue operation? And all those options get you to an eventual yes, but not before that June 1st deadline. ABC's Justin Finch in Washington. Thanks for the update, Justin. Thank you.